Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. And we're going to start in verse 1. Ruth chapter 1 verse 1. You have it? Amen. All right. So the word of God says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilion. They were Ephrathites. I, I struggled with these names. I practiced before I came, okay? So uh, you guys should give me points. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah, not Oprah, okay, Orpah, and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malion and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out, set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Let's pray. Father, we come before your presence. I thank you, Lord, for being good. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I just ask you, God, that you would speak into our lives today, that as we study your word and as we read uh, your word, God, that as we, as we walk through your word, that we can understand what your word has for us today. Speak into my life, speak into the life of my brothers and my sisters, and thank you, God, for all you've done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You may be seated, hallelujah. Uh, last year at a men's hike, we had a men's hike here at the church, we we went to the wilderness of Plano, <laughs> yeah, and um, we, we went for a walk in, in one of the nature preserves that are right in the middle of the city. Uh, we, we braved some, the elements, it was hot, and we ran across one snake, and after a couple hours, we are done with the hike. It was a, about a two to three mile walk that we did, and um, as rough as terrain as you will probably find in the city. And um, I remember we, we finished and we all, all of us asked a question, hey, where are we going to go eat? And because, you know, we, we were famished. We had just worked really hard. Um, and we went to, to go eat at a place uh, pretty close by. I remember when I was there that I, I really enjoyed the food. I, I thought, you know, this is really good. I, I should bring my wife uh, here. I'm not going to mention the name of the restaurant because, you know, I don't want to give... I want to give you the opportunity if you want to try it, all right? Uh, and um, I, I remember thinking, I'm going to bring my wife here. And I remember her when I told her that day, hey, we should go there. She says, I've already been. I didn't like it. I was like, you didn't like it? 
It was so good. Breakfast was amazing. Breakfast was good. The pancakes were awesome, and the, they had these big sausages. And, and, and as I would think about it now, probably was something, one of the things that happened was that because, you know, we're there with the guys, and I didn't stop talking the whole time, so I'm eating and talking. And maybe I didn't pay close attention like I needed to pay, right? But I finally convinced her almost a few, three or four months later to go with me. I said, no, you just ordered the wrong thing. Let's give it another shot. Let's give it another try. So, so we got there, and I'm all excited. We take the whole family, and everyone's kind of complaining because they're like, ah, we've never been here. We don't want to eat here. And, but I know you're going to like it, right? It's just one of those moments. You are going to like it. So they, they, they show up. We show up, and there's... There is the food starts getting brought out, and immediately, immediately, they, they bring something that wasn't hot, and it, it just started, I started realizing that just maybe, maybe I had made a, a, a wrong decision. And after the food had come out, after we had all complained about how we didn't really like the food, even including myself, I remember that feeling of, the excitement of getting there to when we're done with the experience, the feeling of being let down, of something not meeting my expectations. And with a bunch of faces looking at me and saying, I told you so. Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever been somewhere that you were excited to go to? Have you ever ordered something on Amazon that you were excited to receive? Have you ever ordered some food? It looked great on Yelp. It looked amazing in the picture on the menu. But in that moment when you finally receive it, when you finally partake in it, when you finally experience it, the expectations that you had of it were just not up to par. They were just not where you wanted it. And here's the truth, that if you and I, if we live long enough, and I think that most of us here, we've lived long enough. If we live long enough, something will eventually not meet our expectations. You know, it's like going to the International House and Pancakes and finding out that they've changed their name to... Anyways, I'm not even going to get into that. So here there's a disappointment. There's a, 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 a letting down. And in many ways, this is what happened in Naomi's life. Many times what happened in Naomi's life happens in our own lives. We have expectations on what our life is going to look like. We, we have expectations on, our, on people that surround us. We have expectations on our husbands, on our wives, on our spouses. We have expectations that we put on our children. And then all of a sudden we begin to see that some of these expectations are not being met. Now, Elimelech and Naomi, they're both from Bethlehem, and Bethlehem was in Judah. And the passage that we just read tells us that there was a famine in the land. Now, uh, if you study the Bible and you start studying a little bit about 
about what the word of God is, you begin to realize that everything that is named has a meaning. And Bethlehem, the meaning of the name Bethlehem was the house of bread. Isn't it funny how even a city can let us down? We come to Frisco expecting some, some, some wealth. We come to Frisco expecting some great things. We come to Frisco because you hear of all the explosion of, of, of good that's happening in the city. And you get here and you realize, man, there's some difficulty involved. There are some difficult things that are here also. There are some things that you have to deal with that you didn't expect. And here is Ruth. And Naomi, I'm sorry, Naomi, living in Bethlehem, the house of bread, and all of a sudden, the house of bread has run out of bread. It let them down. And, and, and when there was supposed to be bread, all of a sudden, there isn't any bread. When there was supposed to be something that would provide, now there's no provision. When there was something that was supposed to bring happiness, now there is no happiness. And, and I mean, hey, you know what? what if, if we don't have what we need, then we need to change. We need to move. And what do you do when life doesn't meet your expectations? What do you do when life lets you down. Well, Naomi and Elimelech did what many of us do when something doesn't measure up to our expectations. They flee. They flee from the famine. They flee from the thing that seems to have dried up. And whether it's a career, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a friendship, the moment that things begin to not meet our expectations, we will leave. We tend to flee because the difficulty involved in staying in it is just too great. It's just too great. And they move from Bethlehem and instead of things getting better, it seems that things get worse. How many of you know that you can change your address, but you forget to change your attitude? I mean, you, you can change places. You can change places, but the person that moved didn't change. That's why some of us, we can't stay in one job more than a couple months or more than a year because, yeah, we, we find something wrong in this job and we find another job and we change the address, we change the place. But the reality is that the thing that needed to change hasn't changed and you end up being finding yourself in the same position. We change marriages because... I think this was wrong. I don't think this was the right thing. And now God is showing me revelation that that wasn't right and maybe I can find something over here. And you get into one marriage, two marriages, three marriages before you realize, wait a minute, the common denominator in all these failures is at some point in life, you have to realize that, yes, famines do hit the cities. But sometimes not all famines go to cities Famines go to people. And in their life, they're moving from place to place because they're looking for something. They're trying to change and they're not addressing the thing that truly needs to change. You can change the things that you believe may be the problem, but if there's not a change within you. So 
Naomi and Emelech, they move. They move from Bethlehem to a city, to a place in Moab. And the Bible tells us that hardship follows the family. They flee the hardship in Bethlehem and the hardship follows them. And as we read it, it seems that not very long after they had moved, Amalek dies. The husband dies. Now Naomi's left with two sons. They have to step up and provide for the family. They grow up and they marry two Moabite ladies. Now again, if you, you, I'm just going to give you a little context. For the, for the Hebrew person to marry someone outside of their race, to marry somebody outside of, of a Jewish person, this was a big no-no. And most likely Naomi wasn't very happy with this. Most likely Naomi complained a little bit, said, guys, you guys can go back to Bethlehem. You guys can go back to Judah and find yourself a nice young lady. You don't need to marry somebody from here. And maybe, maybe this happened, but they weren't home, so she has to make the best of it. And despite maybe her complaints, they get married. And you got to understand that when we leave the place that we're supposed to be, and we move to a place that we're not called to be, we will compromise in certain values in our lives. Because we were supposed to be here, but we just couldn't work it out. So we go over here and then we compromise. We make concessions in order to accommodate this new place where we're at. And women in these times, the, the way society was and the way the customs were, women were dependent on male relatives in order to be protected. I know nowadays we live in the 21st century and there is woman power all over. God bless the women. But in these times, in order to have any sort of status in society, you had to have a strong man next to you. And now Naomi finds herself alone. And now, her kids, her boys are having to provide. But then what do we read? In verse 5, both Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without what? Her two sons and her husband. I mean, this is catastrophic. This is life-altering. I mean, you know, just think about it, losing a spouse, losing a loved one. Not only did she lose one, not only did she lose two, she lost three. And they were both, they were, all three of them were males and all three of them were what's going to provide for this woman. All three of them was what was going to give her status in society. And now she is left without them. I think it's interesting to note that in verse 5, that the focus is only on what is lost and not what remains. Naomi doesn't look on what she has left. She only looks at what she no longer has. It's a problem that you and I have. Come on, church. It's a problem that you and I have. We tend to look at the things that have left us instead of looking at the things that still remain. We focus on what left instead of what's left. You have to understand that God will only use what is left to bless you. 
He's not going to use what left. He's going to use what you have in your hands. He's going to use what's in your home. He's going to use what's in your life. Stop crying over what you've lost. Stop crying and stop worrying about what's gone. What remains is what God will use. Whatever is left is always enough for God to bless you. But yet we fixate on who left instead of celebrating those who have stayed. We're chasing after things that are no longer there instead of thanking those that, who, that are there. I mean, and the disciples, they, I mean, the, the, sometimes we think it's maybe it's we're not spiritual enough. Maybe I don't pray enough. Maybe I don't spend time with Jesus enough. But the disciples had the same problem. We read in the Bible, I've told you guys this story before. We read in the Bible that one day Jesus is preaching uh, to, a, uh, to a crowd. It says the Bible says there was over five, there was 5,000 men, just the men alone. And the, there were some women and children, but they only counted the men. And, and, and Jesus says, hey, you guys, we need to feed the crowd. And what do the disciples do? They run to Jesus and say, we don't have anything. Does that not sound familiar? God asked us, son, you got to do something. You got to give something. And we're like, Lord, I don't have time. Lord, I don't have resources. God, I don't have experience. Lord Jesus, I don't know how to do it. And we concentrate on what we don't have. And Jesus says, don't tell me what you don't have. Tell me what you do have. Well, we, we have Five pieces of bread and, and two fish, but it's not enough. And see, we're always worried about what we don't have. We're always worried about not having enough. And Jesus says, hey, I think that is enough. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. He blessed it. He broke it. He fed over 5,000 people. He fed the people what they had and not what they didn't have. He fed them five loaves and two fish. God always blesses and multiplies what you have, not what you don't. Stop looking at what you've lost. Stop looking at what you don't have. Stop comparing and wondering, well, what if I had that? What if I had that ability? What if I had that talent? What if I had had finished school? What if I had that husband or that wife? Oh, come on. Stop. God will bless and multiply what you do have. So we find Naomi here in a very, very difficult spot. And I think that it's very easy for things like this to happen in our lives where we lose loved ones or we lose certain things that are very important to us. And, and bitterness begins to set into our hearts. So today I just want to share three quick things of how to move from bitterness to better in your life. How to move from bitter to better. And the first thing you read in verse 6, when Naomi, we didn't read this, so if you have your Bibles, I think we have it up here. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there 
After all the loss, after the dark chapter in Naomi's life, after the difficulty, a word comes to Naomi. She hears that Bethlehem got his bread back. She hears that IHOP changed his name back. So it's about burgers. Anyways, but it says, I hear a report. So the first thing that you and I have to understand, the first thing we got to do is we got to believe the report. Naomi heard and she began to make preparations. If we're going to go from bitterness to better in our lives, because yes, what you lost is significant. What you lost hurt. What you lost caused pain. That relationship, that marriage, that friend, that loved one, that career, all those things, when you lose them, your finances, yes, it hurts. But if we're going to move from bitter to better, the first thing we got to do is we got to believe the report. And the report is that of hope. Because when Naomi heard that there was bread back in Bethlehem, something sparked in her heart that caused her to move into action. It was the hope that while things have gone really bad in this place, I've lost everything I cared for. I lost everything I have. And seemingly I don't have anything left. But I hear of good things happening back at home. That place where I probably should have never left. Uh, there may have been nights when Naomi laid and couldn't sleep at night and regretted their move. Say, so, you know, we should have just stayed. We should have just not left. And if God can restore bread in Bethlehem, maybe God can restore something in my life. Isaiah 53, 1 asks this question, who has believed the report of the Lord? Who has believed what God has said? And if we're going to move from bitterness in our hearts, if we're going to avoid bitterness in our lives, we have to believe the report we have to hear what, what, what's that you said Romans tells us that we the apostle Paul tells us that faith comes from hearing hearing the word of God our faith is directly tied with our hearing our faith is directly tied with our ears that's why when you and I come through a difficult moment in our lives I never understand and I would I would I would encourage you and I'd give you this advice any moment I, any chance I would have is that when you do go through a difficult time in life the worst thing that you can do is separate from your church the worst thing that you can do is separate from God. The worst thing that you can do in, in the middle of a difficulty is separate from God's people. Because if hearing is what brings faith, all the more if you're going through a difficult time in life, you need to remain connected to God. You need to be connected to your home church. Because many of us, let's be honest, many of us, the only time we hear an encouraging word is on Sundays at 3 o'clock. The only times that we have a positive uh, conversation with someone is on Tuesdays at 7 o'clock or Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. 
Because the rest of the time, there may be conflict in the family. There may be arguing with the spouse. There may be conflict with our children. And then you run into some difficulties in life and you just want to, ah, today is just too difficult. I can't, I can't make it. I'm not going to go. I can't. Then one week turns into two, two weeks turns into three. And then when you come here, you're like, oh, man, I, I just, I don't know. I don't feel anything. I just don't feel God in my life. Well, faith comes from hearing. Faith comes from remaining connected to God. Jesus said, you must remain in me because outside of me, you can do nothing. You got to stay connected to God. The response that we should have in any adversity in life, the response that we should have when difficulties come should be that of what Peter told Jesus when people were leaving Jesus and the road was becoming difficult. Uh, difficult Peter told Jesus, to whom shall we go? For it appears that you're the only one that has the words of eternal life. If you need a word of hope spoken into your life, you need to remain connected with Jesus. You need to remain in his word. You need to stay connected to God. You don't leave him. We got to believe the report. The second thing you got to learn to do, and we're going to read in verse 8 that, we, we see Naomi, she sets herself on the path home. And in verse 8, she says that Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud, and they said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grow up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud. Then Oprah, no, Orpah. Because if Oprah was in her family, she'd be all right, I think, right? <laughs> then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Second thing we got to learn how to do, we got to believe the report. Number two, we got to learn to release. If we're going to move from bitterness to better, to better in our life, the second thing we have to do is we got to release things. Not everyone that is with you will be able to go on this journey with, with you. Ruth and Orpah are with Naomi, Naomi says, you guys, you guys need to go. You guys are young. You can find another husband. You can have children. Go somewhere because for me it's too bitter. In fact, actually, I didn't even want my kids marrying you. 
wanted to say this a long time. Go back to your mama's home. And Naomi says, I will let you go. There's no need for you to stay with me. I release you. I bless you. May God give you another husband and some children. Not everyone that is with us at the moment will be able to go. Now, this is not an excuse to start saying, hey, honey, you can't come along with me. I have a revelation from God now. I'm talking about relationships, friendships that you and I have or could have that are not good for us. You know, you know those conversations that sometimes you have that you're, maybe I shouldn't be having these type of conversations. Maybe I shouldn't be allowing these people into my life. Uh, maybe it's not even a person. Maybe it's not even a relationship. There are sins that we continue to carry with us. There are addictions that we continue to carry it with us. And if we're going to believe the report of God, and if we're going to have hope in our lives, we got to learn to release some people. We got to learn to release some sin. We got to learn to release some forgiveness. We got to learn to release some addictions if we're going to move in to the better part of our lives instead of remaining bitter in our hearts. And Naomi tells these two, these two ladies, these two women, go, oh, I have nothing to give you. I have nothing to offer you. And the moment that people realize that you have nothing to give them, that's the moment you begin to realize who truly is with you. When you can't no longer hook them up, when you can't give them that, that, that service that you would provide at a great price, when you can't, you can't give them that thing that they always are seeking from you, when all of a sudden you've hit rock bottom, there's nothing that you can offer to anyone. Uh, you begin to realize who truly is your friend and who truly is not your friend. And, and, and Ruth says, and Naomi sees that. Orpah says, okay, you know what, let me give you a kiss. Uh, goodbye. Uh, okay, I understand you have nothing to give me. And see, we should be like Naomi. We don't get bitter at, at people when they leave us. Naomi blessed them, said, go have husband, go have a husband, go have some children. We should be able to release people from our lives without holding on to the pain and the hurt that we may have felt. We shouldn't go on Facebook and start posting about them with double meanings and hashtag, can you believe her? No. We release if you're going to go from bitter to better, we believe the report of the Lord and we need to know how to release. And now we find here in verse 16, I mean, sorry, verse, I lost it. Ruth tells, I'm not leaving. I will cling. Verse 14, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. And then Ruth goes on to say, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. So you got to believe the report. You got to learn how to release. The third thing, this is something we 
we have difficulty with. Verse 19, the Bible says, So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town, everybody say the whole town. Everybody say everyone. Was stirred because, I remember when I would used to go to, this is a long time ago as a child, my mom would drag us, force us to, to Mexico. We never wanted to go. Because it was the most boring 7 to 14 days of our lives. But every time we showed up in El Ranchito, where my mom was from, we would drive in and everyone would be... Look, we couldn't even go to the store. I mean, again, only about 100 people lived in the town. And you couldn't even go to the store without people staring. Son del otro lado. They're from the other side. And when I read this, that reminded me of that. The whole town was stirred because of them. And the women explained, can this be Naomi? We got to believe the report. We got to learn to release. The third thing is don't fear the return. Don't fear the return. Because the process of coming back can be painful. The process of returning can bring a, a sense of shame. The Bible says that the whole town was stirred and that the people were posting things on Facebook saying, can this really be, oh my God, did you see her? Did you see what she looks like now? She's aged like 40 years and they've only been gone 10. This is, this is why, to me, this is so important when we, we're launching the church and when we speak with the people that help us and we talk about what kind of a church we want to be. We want to be a church that whoever walks in through those doors can feel welcome. They can feel love. They can feel the presence of God in this place. We're not a church that looks at people and say, oh, where are you coming from? You can't look that way when you walk. You can't wear that when you come. Oh, you got to take that off. You got to do this. No, we want to welcome people to our church and say, God loves you. It doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter where you've been. What matters is where you're going. And God's got purpose for each one of us, for you and for me. I've been where you've been. And God has done something great in my life. And what God has done for me, God can do for you. The return can be painful. So much so that we read in verse 20, the, 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 they say, is this truly, can this be Naomi? Verse 20, don't call me Naomi, she told him. Call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full. I mean, I left with dreams. I left with aspirations. I had great goals. I would write them in my journal. I would pray every day. But something happened along the way. Don't call me by, by my name. Call me Mara. See, Naomi, again, names mean stuff. Mean, they have a meaning in the Bible. 
Naomi means beautiful. And I, I believe that in this moment, in this stage of Naomi's life, she felt anything but beautiful. I mean, the nights of crying, the nights of regret, the days of feeling that there's nothing left to live for. And she tells the people, you know what, don't even call me by my name. My name is Mara because Mara means bitterness. I'm no longer beautiful. I'm bitter on the inside. I'm bitter on the outside. Stop looking at me as what I was, but look at me at how I feel. I am bitter. But I love God. You know, the Bible, we believe and I believe with all my heart that it is the inspired word of God. Every word that was written, even those things that you don't understand, those things that I don't understand, those things that seem a little strange, those things that seem a little bit like they don't apply today, but every single word, I believe, came from the Spirit of God, came from the Spirit of the Lord. And Naomi says, don't call me Naomi, call me bitter. And I, and I wonder how many times in our lives we, we get to places in our lives and we get to different things and different circumstances in our lives and we stop thinking about all the promise, all the dreams that we had for our life and we just start looking at ourselves. We look in the mirror and we think failure. We think loss. We think, nah, I don't know what I'm doing. And we start labeling ourselves. We think that we're, we, we, we call ourselves bitter. We call ourselves pain. We call ourselves hurt. We call ourselves everything but our name. You find yourself in sin and you call yourself shameful. You call yourself unfaithful. And here, Naomi says, don't call me by my name. Call me by what I am, and I'm bitter in life. Things were good, but now things are bad, and I refuse to hear my name. But the word of God, we read in the next verse, so Naomi... See, the Holy Spirit wrote this book. The Holy Spirit refused to call Naomi bitter. She said, he said, no, your name is not bitter. No, your name is not shame. Your name is not pain. Your name is beautiful. Your name is loved one. Your name is what I call you. See, the devil, he knows our names. But he will always call us by our sin. God knows your sin. But God will always call you by your name. He will never point the finger. He does not bring shame or guilt. He brings repentance to your life. He brings understanding to where, you know what, there are things that I need to change. But he will always call you by your name. Because you are his son. You are his daughter if we can believe the report if we can release what needs to be released and if we return to God 
God will turn our bitterness to something better. He will use what is in your life to bless you. He will use what remains in your life to do amazing things. Ruth, Naomi's daughter-in-law, the Bible tells us eventually gets married. We go all the way to chapter 4. and She eventually meets a guy by the name of Boaz. They get married. And now all of a sudden Naomi has this daughter-in-law that loves her, that treats her with respect, that treats her with love. And now all of a sudden she is holding in her arms a baby boy. And in chapter 4, verse 16, the Bible says that Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women who were talking about her on Facebook, that were posting about her on Twitter, they, they said, Naomi has a son now. And they said that he will renew your life in verse 15. He will sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons. Think about this. She lost two. And now the same people that were talking about her are saying, you know what? This situation has turned out to be better than seven sons that you could have. Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for her. Then the women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. Now many of us maybe haven't heard of Obed. But as we continue reading the story, Obed had a son named Jesse. Wow, Jesse sounds familiar. Then all of a sudden you read the story and says Jesse had a son by the name of David. The greatest king in the history of Israel. And listen guys, 14 generations later... In the bloodline of David, in the bloodline of Naomi, who said, don't call me by my first name. Call me bitter. But, gee, but he, God refused to call her that. She said, no, you are Naomi. Fourteen generations later, the Bible tells us there was a young lady that was born by the name of Mary. And one day, Mary had an angel appear to her and say, you will have a son and his name shall be Emmanuel, God with us. And Mary had a baby boy who lived a life that you couldn't live, who lived a life that I can't live. And this baby boy once declared that the son of man has not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What Naomi thought was going to be bitterness, what Naomi thought 
was only going to bring even more pain. When Naomi thought there was no hope left for her. What came out of what remained, which you and I tend to overlook, what came out of what was left was royalty and was the hope of this world, was the hope of your life, was the hope of my life, was my Savior, was your Savior. And see, anything that brings Jesus into my world is a better thing. Even if it hurts, even if I don't understand, even if it's difficult, if Jesus is going to manifest himself, it's better. Because my hope is in him. And through the transitions of life, as we move from one place to another, and as we move and don't understand why things happen and we move and we just sometimes forget to bring God and involve him in our lives please understand that even though yes I've made mistakes yes you've made mistakes God does not call you a mistake he calls you by your first name and I believe today God is calling each one of us to leave the pain that we have felt in life because I believe every single one of us doesn't matter how young we are or how experienced we are we all still carry certain bitterness certain pains in our life it's time it's time to believe the report of the Lord it's time to release that pain it's time to release that person and it's time to return to Jesus I'm going to ask you to stand today.